Hello and welcome to Million Dollar Monday. I'm your host, Greg Mazzello, bringing you real successful people with real useful advice for people with big dreams. I understand big dreams. I turned an investment of $200 and a lot of great advice from some really successful people into my big dream, Proforma, that today is a half billion dollar company. Today I have an interesting guest who translates his vision for the perfect snack and meal solution into reality is founder of a company called Iconic Protein, leading his team in product testing and design. He's even with us today in their test kitchen. Uh, they have products that are sold in over 8,000 retail stores. And in building Iconic, he's raised over $14 million in capital. Please join me in welcoming Billy Voss, Chief Visionary Officer, CVO of Iconic Protein. Billy, thanks for joining us. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to have a conversation with you today. Yeah, happy to see your kitchen there and uh, uh, talk a little bit more about your products. But let's back up. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years, your education years, and what were those things that led you to eventually want to, two things, eventually led you to wanting to own your own business, because I know you've owned a few, and we're going to talk about those, and then eventually getting into the perfect snack and meal solutions business. Yeah, great question. Uh, I often ask that as well. I want to know what somebody's background story is and how they got where they they are. I'm just the guy from Louisiana, you know, guy from middle class family. And uh, I wasn't I wasn't the best student. I wasn't the best athlete, uh, but I have great parents. And uh, my parents both worked really hard uh, to put me through good schools. And the big unlock for me was realizing around the age or I don't know, I'd say nine or 10 that uh, I was an okay athlete, but I was never going to fulfill my, my, my dream of being like, yeah. you know, an NFL star or something like this. Right. Uh, undersized, not fast enough, all this stuff. But my dad is a CPA and he said, well, look, if you're not doing anything in the summer, why don't you go help out this guy, Mr. Don, he's got a store, he's a contractor, does a few other things, has apartments. You can go help him make a little bit of money rather than sit inside all, all summer. And okay. Okay. And I got my first taste of making money and, and learning about people's businesses and helping people uh, run their business. And I was hooked. I said, this yeah. is great. And he had a ton of different clients. So it was like a choose your own adventure. So one summer is working for a restaurant uh, owner. Another summer, summer is working at a furniture store. Uh, another summer is working with my uncles, one of which was a mechanic. And the other guy works on industrial scales. And yeah. so it was like a mix of dirty jobs meets like undercover boss, you know, and you're like behind the scenes seeing how things work and and rich. That's really rich to have that breadth of experience and even, you know, understand really what is business. Okay. Good for you. Okay. All right. Go continue on. Yeah. So those are the early years, uh, just enjoying that. And then, uh, went to LSU, go Tigers, uh, and graduated there. And I I have to, I have to stop you, (laughs) but I'll let you get by with it because, you're a good and, guy. Uh, uh, my, my one trip to I'm Gainesville, a... <laughs> I know you're a Gator. Uh, my one trip to Gainesville was when when LSU finally came yeah. back and won after a series of losses at, uh, when, when Ron Zook was the head coach. We won big, and and that, that was a fun time. But it was a great town. I had a really good time. Okay, enough about 
enough about football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, so, so sorry yeah, for went, the went to school. Yeah, no, all good. Yeah, went, yeah. went to school down there. And uh, when I was in school, I worked for a company called Lifestyles Productions. And these guys would actually organize ski trips for college kids. And I went on the ski trip, had a great time. And I thought, well, if I can organize it, then I can probably help my friends come on the trip and go for free. Because if you round up X number of people, you get to go on the trip for free. Well, that led into me running the trip uh, with a couple of friends for the school and subsequent years, putting together a couple thousand student ski trip, which was an absolute blast. More taste of sales, even though it wasn't sales, but enjoyed, enjoyed what the product itself, which is an experience. And then when I got out of school, I actually got a job with Homeland Security uh, for an agency that, that, that trains first responders on how to respond to biological terrorism incidents. Uh, so I was feeling, I now was feeling patriotic after 9-11 and wanted to work okay. in government. And that was an option. So I did that for a year. And then I got chained to a desk, which I didn't love. Um, no, I, no. I, I know. Right? I'm like, Slavery. you can't put me in a desk. I'm, I'm standing right now. I got to <laughs> oh, that's moving. a cage. <laughs> Just, yeah, I get it. It was bad. It was, but it was a cool, cool job for a year. And then I got a a job in oil and gas and thought, okay, like this is the path I should go on. This is success. You know, a kid coming to Louisiana, if you go work in oil and gas and you get a job and you're making more than your parents do, like you're success. You did great kid. Right. Right. So I I took that job, moved to Houston and immediately the first day I knew it wasn't for me. uh, Cause I kind of raised my hand in the meeting and, Oh, I got, what about this? And what about this idea? And how about we do this? And, Uh you know, I'm working in the, the, the car care segment of the business and, the manager called, pulled me aside. Hey, Billy, come here. Come here. Hey, listen, <laughs> you, you, got, you got a lot of ideas, kid. That's great. This, this company is a dinosaur. We're, 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 we're not an idea factory. So if you want to do that, you should go start your own company. Otherwise. Oh, he said it. that. Yeah. He said yeah. that to you. You and know I what said, I said? Go ahead. Yeah, no. I was just, I okay, it. great. I will. Yeah. When I was, when I was a kid, I dropped out of college for a year and I worked for my dad cleaning maggots out of heat trucks and uh, other terrible jobs and the night shift. And one, one morning, my dad came in and he was the uh, manager of this particular location and uh, meat distribution. And, and I said, dad, I got some ideas. I got some ideas. And he said, great. And he was in a really foul mood. He said, great. I just need you to clean the trucks and think like a broom. <laughs> <laughs> think like a broom. Think like a broom. Yes. I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. That's when you just know you got to do something on your own. All right. It's a gift right. though, right? It's oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's yeah. the kick in the butt and the pat on the back that just says you gotta do it. And right now, there are a lot of people listening that are in situations they don't love. Maybe they are chained to that desk. Maybe they, nobody wants to hear their ideas, and maybe mm-hmm. they don't have the flexibility, the freedom, and the voice. And so uh, uh we're gonna talk about now. Uh let's uh uh, how did you start the couple of businesses that you started? Talk about that. Where did the idea come from? Where mm-hmm. did the bravery come from? Where did the money come from? How did it happen? Well, great questions. Uh, and I'll start by segueing from my job in oil and gas, where they said, go start your own company if you, right. if you have all these great ideas. I said, okay, I will. And I'll, I'll, I'll work hard while I'm here for you. And I'm yep. talking to myself when, when I'm saying all this, right? And I'll right. just save as much po- as much money as I can. So I had friends get jobs out of school, buy a new car, buy a TV, buy a house, buy this, buy that. Everything's mm-hmm. spent, right? I lived in a small apartment, well below my means. Uh, didn't buy a new car. 
just didn't buy a new TV, just like saved money and bought books. So when I was in car in a car, I was always doing an audible book on business. I was constantly reading Inc. Magazine, kind of like getting the wheels turning on ideas and help reading the founder stories and things like that. And the first business was actually one where I started buying rental property. And uh, I had a friend from, from high school that was in real estate finance and worked in development. And he had already bought a house. And this was in you know, pre-2008. And everybody's buying houses for 0% down and all this crazy stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and we decided, I decided I wanted to buy a, a fourplex or a duplex or something of that type in my college town of Baton Rouge. And he was on board. He was looking as well. And my background in that was when I worked for my, my, one of my dad's fr- uh, clients and friends uh, who owns a bunch of multifamily stuff in Baton Rouge as a kid, that's when I got experience working for a landlord. And I thought, okay, I get it. That was just a reality of like what mm-hmm. people do is they own apartments and make money and get people a good place to live. And, uh, and so, okay, let me do that. And that's, that, that's, a, that's a big thing for people. A lot of people, oh, how would you do that? Well, when you work, for someone who does that as a kid, it, it opens that to unlock, you know, that's why I'm a big right. proponent Absolutely. of mentorship yeah. and giving yeah. kids this exposure. Right. Yep. Yeah. So we bought a, me and this, this buddy of mine, Tim, we buy a couple of fourplexes near LSU and it was, it was a bit of a wild ride because it's like every kind of like bad thing that can happen in real estate, <laughs> all, the, all the stuff people are worried about happening. It happened. Okay. We've, had, we, we've since grown the, the portfolio to, uh, a number of buildings in, in Baton Rouge, uh, and about uh, just over 60 units. And, uh, and but we've had fires, uh, we've had floods, we've had buildings cracked in half from once in a 500 years oh. out. Yeah, we've had tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, evictions, you know, drug raids, like everything you can imagine happening. Yeah. Is the key yeah. to that business in part? to get big, to get a lot of units so that you're not the one taking the call when the hot water heater isn't working at night. Exactly. It's systems and processes. So yeah. if you can have the, the big unlock is when we bought one building, that's 35 units. We buy this, this building and all of a sudden we say, okay, we need a full-time manager to live on site. And then we, all the units are in the same spot. So we don't have to have a plumber go to six different locations. It's all there. It's like, the, the parts make sense for each unit because all yeah. the units have the same layout. So that's yeah. the big unlock is if you can scale and do a larger unit mix, yeah. it makes a ton of sense. Okay, so that business you started, you still have it, and it's it sounds like it's doing very yeah, well. Yeah, we still have it. My partner, my partner runs runs it as the manager full time, and um, you know, for at that point we were you know in the early years we just had a couple of fourplexes and we're pretty hands on in my free time. And then the other business that I started uh, was actually as a result of being frustrated on New Year's Eve and not having somewhere to go with friends. And I said, you know, me and a buddy of mine thought, why don't we just throw our own New Year's party? And so we threw a New Year's party in New Orleans where I, I was living at the time. And we said, okay, we'll make it part philanthropy and maybe some friends will show up. We'll, you know, we'll donate some money to charity and like have some fun. And 400 people showed up. <laughs> so, For how much? What was the downstroke? Uh, it, it was about 150 ahead. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a hit. So yeah. it is a hit. I was like, okay, <laughs> we got something going on here. And everybody right. said, oh, that was the best party. You got to do it again. And I said, okay, well, I guess we need an LLC or something. So uh, that that was a startup, Go Entertainment, LLC, uh, G-E-A-U-X, Louisiana version of Go, right? Yeah, for those that are not familiar with that G-E-A-U-X spelling, but uh, it's very common in, in Louisiana, right? Cajun French. You got yeah, there you go. 
Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we went up that, that company went about eight years, mm-hmm. grew to about a 2000 person New Year's party every year. And, uh, one thing I, I toyed around, and this is all while I was at Shell, right? Because you could do a lot of this stuff in your free time, put it together a New Year's party that you have a year to plan. And, um, uh, but, but that company in order to really scale, it needed to have its own venue because you realize half the revenue out the door goes to a venue. And they're paying, right. you're paying them for the, the actual building plus the, the alcohol and catering or whatever else. So, you know, three-fourths of the money at the end of the day is, is not yours. And then you have to pay to put on other stuff and entertainers and all that stuff. Right, right, right. So what happened then? Um, uh, so at the end of that, uh, towards the end of that, I had the idea for Iconic. And that was with the same partner from the but, entertainment company. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought. I thought yeah. that. Uh, I thought. Why did I? Why did the entertainment company come to an end? So, at around the time, about eight years in to that, uh, seven eight years into to the entertainment company, two of us had the idea for what is now iconic, and we said, "Hey, oh. one of our pain points as guys traveling around a lot for work is nutrition on the go, and okay. so it'd be nice if there was a, a drink that filled you up without any sugar. So, essentially, a protein drink." without sugar. Cause a lot of these things, my, my go-to would be like a, a naked juice with protein at, at, at Starbucks or something, but it's got 60 grams of sugar in it. And, and these things are going to give you diabetes, you know? So it's like not good. Um, and so we, okay, let, let's, let's work on this product. And we pitched the idea to a local uh, business incubator program in new Orleans called the idea village got accepted into an accelerator program. And we both had a handshake deal. We'll go 50, 50 on this. And after about a year, we'll both quit and do this full time. And I was in a position where I had already quit my job because I wanted to pursue this and these other side ventures. And he was still working his day job. Uh, and then when it came, came time to quit, he said, you know what? I'm just not in a position where I want to quit. And I said, uh-oh, oh. <laughs> that's not what we agreed on. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's that, a problem. And that's a problem, right? Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. we're going to hold hands and jump off this ledge. And, and then he didn't jump yeah, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, in, in, in these situations with partners, I always encourage people, if you're going to go into business with someone plan for failure, or at least plan for it to end because all business partnerships and all relationships end, people are going to die. Businesses yeah, yeah. go under, or the, it, it just, it's just the end of our time. Or are you saying plan for the partnership to fail, not necessarily the well, business. Well, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Okay. Plan for the partnership to end because it yes, will, there's a hundred percent chance it yeah. will end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Darn yeah. near hundred percent chance. I know I went through it. And, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you're going to die at some point. So that's, that's the end of the partnership. Someone dies because of their of old age or something. Right. Uh, and, and so anyway, you, you plan for these things and say, okay, handle all the awkward what ifs, get that out of the way. Cause what if, Someone decides they want to go take another job in a year. What if they decide this isn't for them? What if, who knows what? Well, I think probably the biggest risk is, is if two partners are 50-50, because that's usually how it starts out. But then eventually maybe one of the partners feels like they're contributing way more than the other. And then that, 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 that just tears things to shred because eventually people don't want to continue to do a lot more of the work, but not necessarily get a lot more of the revenue. I, th- I think that's, or not sharing the same vision, 
but none, but nonetheless, you're an EO. I was in YPO. I mean, I know so many entrepreneurial partnerships that just failed. And I think that's wise advice to make sure that when an entrepreneur enters into a partnership, they better have a solid agreement from the beginning, who's going to do what and what if this thing succeeds, but what if this thing fails, right? Is, is that yeah. partner still with you or not? No, no, we, oh, okay. we kind of parted ways and that was the end of the entertainment company because we, we had a, a difference in vision on the um, amount of time that was needed for each business and where to take things. So, yeah. you know, it was probably time, you know, you get to the age of, you know, I think I was 32 or 33 at the time. And then you say, okay, like, I don't really want to go to these parties anymore. Uh, even though other people do that, that new year's party is really yeah. an early twenties type of thing um, at that scale and for that type of an event. And, uh, and so we parted ways on that and eventually semi parted ways on the iconic, the nutrition business. Um, and, you know, it was unfortunate because ultimately people will just have different views of from where their seat is, right? Uh-huh. His view, it's one way. And from my view, it's the other way. So it took a while to, to sort that out, probably about two years. So it was costly and kind of getting the business off the ground. And, um, you know, it's, it's a life lesson. And uh, I hope that other people learn from that when they go into business with a friend or a partner, just outline expectations, get things in writing. That way there's no uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. And have a buy sell agreement from the very beginning, yes. because Sorry. the honeymoon, the honeymoon ain't going to last forever. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So anyhow, talk to us a little bit about you. You have this idea to make the great snack and meal solution and mm-hmm. low, no sugar protein drinks, et cetera. How does that idea go from getting some money, making the first couple of drinks and getting some sales? Well, sales would never was was not the challenge for me because my background was sales, and so okay. whether it was selling ski trips, tickets to a New Year's party, or working in the oil and gas industry, I could sell anything, and I was just comfortable having those conversations. And I, I always approached it from like a conversational standpoint, so it's prescriptive selling. So I'll ask you, hey, what's happening in your store, and what's going well, and what's not going well, and I ask you so many questions, you say. Well, Billy, what's your product? I want to hear about this. You haven't told me about it yet. Oh, okay. Well, you know, and then you, you lead it to the conversation and talk about it. But I know what's happening there. And I, I did the same thing with friends. And I said, hey, like, what's missing in your life? And, and a lot of them said, from a nutrition standpoint, they want something that's going to fill them up during the day uh, and not provide a bunch of extra calories and sugar. You know, so whether they wanted to manage their weight or cut a little bit of weight, uh, what, what, it, what it came out to be is a protein drink that's high, you know, 20 grams of protein, protein actually increases your metabolism and fills you up. Uh, and then no sugar at all. So you don't have any of the bad stuff and all the good stuff. Uh, and we've since transitioned into coffee products, uh, you know, that have protein plus coffee and some other functionalities. Um, but initially the, the hardest part was figuring out where to make it because to really? get, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we have powders, right? And so to get a, pow- a powder in a canister is easy, easy peasy. Take the powder, put it in the canister, seal it. It's good for like two years. Done. There's a ton of these though, and not as many of, of the drink formats. So to get the powder into the drink form, you basically have to mix all the ingredients at an FDA approved facility, uh, heat them to the level of steam, rapidly cool them, uh, put them in a sterile container, and then it's good for about a year and a half. That whole process takes an enormous machine that costs, I don't know, we'll call it $10 million for the whole facility. 
Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't something I was going to get into. And the production lines are generally all full. They're not like, hey, we're looking for new customers. Come on over. No. <laughs> and they're not looking for some guy with a startup drink idea. So it was really hard to get line time, as they say, with a production facility. So how'd you do it? How did you, how were you able to actually produce those first drinks, get them into a bottle affordably and, 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 and get them out into retail? Great question. I, I originally, uh, we were in these drink boxes, boxes called Tetra Packs, and I had a facility. Uh, it, was, it was just a nightmare to start. The first facility had a production recall before we even ran production. So we shipped our ingredients to another facility. That facility uh, had uh-huh. a break in their production line equipment. And we had one oh of my our gosh. larger brands in the space come in and push us out of the way and said, we're bigger. We're going to take their line time. So then I had to go to another production facility in California. <laughs> so the ingredients went from Georgia to California and eventually we got the drink made in California, but it got, that was a year and a half of just transporting stuff around and ordering new materials and new as a whole thing. But eventually, eventually we have this drink made and I go, everything goes well. I learn about the production process and all this. And then it was, it was time to go sell it, you know? So I went, uh, and knocked on doors where I was at at the time in New Orleans and called on all the big grocery stores there and gyms and every store you can imagine had product in my trunk and would literally just like write a PO, sell it to people on the spot and like take cash or a check or whatever, 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 whatever it takes, have, yeah. whatever it takes. Right. So there was a lot of hand deliveries in the early days. Did the uh, people buy the product and they were committed to it? Or if it didn't sell, did you have to take it back? Was it on consignment or was it? Yeah, uh, I, I, I get also a good question. And for me, if I'm going to produce something, I'll always stand behind it. Like if you okay. can't sell my product, then either I shouldn't have sold it to you or it, people just don't want it. And there, there's, there's some gray areas there, but I'm oversimplifying. Right. Yeah. 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 And, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like it was almost a year and a half or maybe longer from idea and concept to getting some of the product out into the retail market. Uh, is that right? Yeah. It, it, that was the longest the piece of it. And I thought this thing would happen overnight, but it took about a year and a half just to get something into the market. If not, we all think it's going to happen overnight. <laughs> you think it's going right? to happen so fast. Yeah. But that optimism, that cockeyed optimism is the optimism also that led you to think, okay, that plant can't do it, but I'm going to find a plant because I believe in this. I'm so optimistic that it'll work. Right. A lot of people might quit. They find that first plan, it breaks, it explodes, it whatever. And oh my God, this is impossible. So you went through a lot of failures to find the right path forward. Now you talked about raising money. At what point did you approach them? How did you approach them? And can you talk about approximately how much you raised in that yeah. raise and then what how the other tranches followed? Certainly. Yeah. And, and what I realized is early on in the beverage business, each production run is going to cost you about $300,000, if not more. Yeah. So these are, these are large production runs. And I said, okay, it's going to take, it's going to take money to run this business. Uh, got it. And the first money came from some business plan competitions. I won in new Orleans. So I won some, one was $50,000 two lane business plan competition. And I won a couple other ones around town and I've lost a lot more than I've won. I'll say that. And the failed pitches taught me a lot about how to pitch and win. And when you're pitching a drink and people can actually taste it, you have a, you have a a competitive advantage over a thing like an app 
or some kind of like tech company, right? That makes <laughs> so sense. Okay. All I right. was I was sweeping these competitions, Greg. It was great. Because um, you gave people a taste. Because they could I did. It. I gave them a taste oh, okay. and I, I talked to them about it and told them the story and they bought into it. And and that New Orleans is still one of our strongest markets in the country. It's crazy. It's our best whole food store because people know the story there. Uh, but I that initial couple hundred thousand dollars came out of New Orleans. Uh, and then I took a low interest loan from an SBA style institute uh, for 250K that I personally guaranteed. So let's round that all that money up plus personal contributions to 500K. Okay, that got me somewhere. And then I realized like I, as the business is growing, I need more money, I need more access to capital. And I went the route of, um, we'll call it, you know, I wouldn't say family because I'm not family involved, but, you know, friends and connections to do a seed, to do a seed round. Okay. So I did a convert, con- couple of convertible notes, which is a structure for those that aren't familiar that you say to oversimplify it, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars and you either pay this back in a year with interest or you convert it to equity in a year. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so it's okay. So I took some money from a couple, I remember the, the shortest one I got was from a lawyer in New Orleans who writes, if you don't pay this back in a year or convert it to equity, there will be a problem. That was that that that, <laughs> that, that was that was the one pager. Yeah, it was great. And when you're in New Orleans, you're like, I could I could end up in the bayou eaten by the gators. That's there you point. go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So right. anyway, so right. so I did that, and then I said, mm-hmm. okay, continue to need more money, and I actually got connected uh, to some some larger local investors in in town uh, in New Orleans, and uh, on top of that. Pepsi, their mergers and acquisition arm, uh, oh. you know, some of these guys try to be helpful and then I'm thinking they're going to buy me, right? Pepsi, I'm talking to the guys at Pepsi, hey, they're going to buy me. This is great. My plan is working. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, no, man, we're not buying okay. you. You're way too small, but we'll help you. Okay. What do you need help with? I need help with money. Give me some money. And they said, or invested me, right? Like, give me distribution. Give me something. Help me out here. And they say, no, but we'll introduce you to someone. And they introduced me to a guy that they had just bought his kombucha company for 240 some odd million dollars. Okay. And they introduced me to this guy and he was instrumental in helping to raise uh, some money from private equity to really bring in cash behind the business. So that was like the big series A $8 million raise where most of that money to, to run production and grow the business came from. And that, that was, that was very helpful and really getting some growth. So a couple of things that you mentioned, first of all, was that the loan you received, mm-hmm. you personally guaranteed a lot of people maybe don't understand that, but in the early days of growing a business, the bank wants to know that you've got your skin in the game and you can lose a lot. Some people can lose everything they own with that personal guarantee. And um, there's actually a department in a bank. I got to meet them when I was growing my company and got put into what's called Workout, not not the department, the friendly people that are on the your friendly banker side. The workout department's the department that comes and says, you know something, this isn't working out for us and we want our money back. And when you have your personal guarantee on it, those things can get ugly. And uh, uh, so that's a huge thing that you mentioned. On the convertible notes that you were able to sell or place, did did were you able to pay them back or did anybody ha- did anybody convert? No, we wound up converting everyone, and oh, you did? we were in a, okay. yeah, we wound up we were in a position to pay them back at the time, but people wanted to convert, you know, because they're raising okay. money. And you know, I'm I'm putting money in. Let's get some equity in this business, and and you know, a lot of people you realize you can pitch them on the product, but ultimately they're investing in the humans, and the human happened to be me, so that was very flattered that they were willing to support me. 
How did you find Pepsi or how did, did, did Pepsi find you? I want to say it was just networking at one of these trade shows. There's a big natural food show uh, called Expo West on the West Coast. And just kind of at one of these events, people say, oh, you should meet this person and meet this person. And, and I've always, you know, prided myself on really kind of making it around the room and talking to people and learning about them and asking a lot of questions. And at one of these events, I meet these guys from the mergers and acquisition side of Pepsi. And they say, oh, we love your name, Iconic. This is great. I could, we could see this as one of our brands one day. Let us know if you ever need help. And okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will and I did. I oh, love it. And you know, that there's a huge lesson in that. And the lesson is get out and get involved in your industry, go to those trade shows, join those trade associations if there are some, because that's where the networking happens and you can learn things and meet people that can do things that you could have never dreamed possible, right? That's so accurate. And, and I would encourage all entrepreneurs to get out there and do that because I don't think enough people do. And I even have friends in the industry that, oh, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why do you go to these events or why do you do all these things? And look, you can totally be successful without doing this stuff. But I think it's additive to the stack of things that is going to lead you to success. Humongously, humongously. All right. So lots of ups, lots of downs. Uh, I'm very impressed that you survived so many of them. I think that the, somewhere along the way, a lot of people would have been wiped out by the impossibilities of what you made possible. But here you are today, 2022, 8,000 locations. You've raised $14 million. What's the future? Uh, you're the chief visionary officer. What's the vision? Yeah, the vision, and that's a fun title I just decided to make for myself when I hired a CEO last year. And the the vision is really for Iconic to be a household brand name that allows humans to become the iconic version of themselves. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're, Uh you know, like a famous athlete or something like that, but, you know, you could be an iconic dad, right? Which is your vision of what the dad that you always wanted to be is, but it starts with health. And if you can't, you know, if you're not putting the right nutrition in your body uh, in a convenient and tasty way, then like you're just not going to do it and you're not going to be the best dad because yeah. wow. you know, your health is going to be lagging. You'll have other things to worry about. So we really want to empower people uh, through, you know, convenient, tasty, nutritious products to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Be iconic, live iconic, go iconic. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of marketing in there that I, 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 I <laughs> can easily see, right? It sounds like a lot yeah. of fun. All right. It's been great spending time with you. Your, your stories actually are very impressive. As we part here today, what last pieces of advice might you have for our listeners that are thinking about starting their own company? I would say uh, ask a lot of questions, meet a lot of people. I've got people all the time that say, well, well, I don't know where to start. Just, just start making phone calls. There's someone has, has done something like this, yes. reach yeah. out to them yes. and take them out to coffee, take them out to lunch, offer to, you know, pay them to hop on a zoom or whatever you need to do to get these people yeah. on the phone mm-hmm. and quiz them and go on with some questions and, and value their time. Uh, and then don't be afraid to make the leap. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I need to quit my job to ever start something else. No, I did three different things on the side right? You can, you can take that, that job. You can still put in your full-time hours. There's 24 hours in a day and work out something on the side so that when you make that leap, it's a smooth, soft landing and you're already making money over here versus I did this where I have a job, 
you know, making money and then I'm going to go do something making hardly any money. And I probably could have, you know, done a little, both a little bit longer. Yeah. When we were talking before we got started, you used the words side hustle. And there's just a lot of wisdom in those two words. It might be on the side, but it's full-time hustle. And, and clearly, uh, uh, I'd have to say that you embody that, uh, uh, th- those key words. And clearly, uh, spending some time with you uh, helps me understand that you truly are an iconic business success. Billy, thanks for spending some time with me today. Greg, thank you. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Thanks.